Welcome to Making Comics, a podcast exploring the comics process from two different perspectives. I'm Keith Foster. I write the comic Kadoja, in addition to reviewing horror books and horror comics on iHorror.com. And I'm Scott Loss, the creator and artist of The Second Shift and Wanders of Milsanda for the Accidental Aliens. All right, my brother, you know the rules. We've been we've been doing stuff. We've been doing a lot of stuff. So, so you go stuff. first, man. What what was your week plus like? It's really more like a week and a half. Yeah, it's a... What is it? Uh, seven, nine days? Nine days, right? Yeah. Since we last nine. started? Uh, nine. Well, it has been a, quite a while, and it's been a very productive week. Uh, sorry, I keep getting an echo. You keep oh, cutting out. Oh, this is bizarre. Let me call you back one more time. This is weird. Hold you on. You got it. Uh, yeah, actually, give me give me a minute and call back, because I might want to charge my phone a little bit. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Okay. Call me back in one minute. Keep okay. it running. Keep the recording running. All right. All right. Get some bonus audio with me drinking beer, singing key songs that will go at the end of the episode. Keith is charging his phone. <sighs> this beer's all right, actually. It's all right. It does taste like 96 calories. It does taste like a light beer. I don't know if I'm crazy about that, but for 850 for six of them, that's that's not that's all right. Uh, and it is a. Oh no wonder! I swear this was a six. This is a four. What am I do drinking a four percent alcohol beer? This is bullshit. I feel lied to. No wonder. Oh. Alright, I don't know if that's been a minute. I'll give it another 30 seconds. Okay. We're back and better than ever, yeah? <laughs> Let's hope so. Alright. Yeah. If not, okay. we can just punch through it and edit edit in and out, you know. Twenty minutes yeah. later, these dumb fucks started their episode. Right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is the winding down of the Kickstarter. So since last time we talked I've, uh, I was somewhere around 800 bucks and I am at like a thousand six hundred now. So basically double from the, from the last time we talked. So that's, that's pretty good. And I think I got four or five days left on the Kickstarter. And uh, by the time this thing airs, it's going to be, be over. Yeah. So, but usually after a thousand five hundred, I'm, I'm cruising. Um, you know, it's all been, it's all beneficial. So like we've talked about on previous episodes, I really just front the cost for everything and uh, my initial goal is usually just for the printing, and it's just like, okay, if I don't make any more than that, then I'll just, you know, eat the cost of producing the book because I want the book out anyway. And uh, it always gets yeah. funded, so and uh, I, I get well past what I need for the printing, and and it's all good. Um, so that's number one. And uh, two, I've actually uh, challenged one of my studio mates um, about getting our books done. So he is uh, in the process of finishing his first book, and it's actually a fan TMNT book, which is uh, interesting and interesting enough. So this writer hired him to draw his fan uh, fan issue, and so it's a complete book. It's like 19 pages, and okay, um, yeah, and so. I think he's having some difficulties getting over the hump. Um, I had asked him about it because I saw the writer on one of those Facebook groups. I saw him post my friend's art. His name's Death. And um, uh, shout out, Death. Uh, and uh, 
I was I hit him up. I said, "Hey, how's that going? I saw your writer post about it." So, you know, like my thought is things are moving along and he goes, "It's uh, slow going." So, I had done this with a, a previous studio mate before, um challenging them to finish their book. And so, uh, you know, I found out how many pages Death needs. He needs about 11 pages to finish. Um I need 14 and said, "Uh, you know, what about a friendly friendly race to the finish line?" And he said, mm. "Sure." So, so for me, I'm, I love challenges. And so this is going to be yeah. very interesting for me. And honestly, since we've uh, agreed to the race, I have finished three pages. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So I'm, I'm in overdrive right now. I'm completely in the zone that we talked about in previous episodes. Uh, I don't like getting out of the flow of the drawing phase of, of the comic book making. And so I started on a commission. I sent over some layouts he finally agreed to the layout, but since then I've just been so focused on my interiors that um, he's going to have to wait. He's going to have to wait a couple of days and I'll, I'll hop back onto it. So, uh, yeah, it's a real nice flow going on. Nice. So you're using this as a as an extra incentive for you to get issue 10 knocked out as soon as possible, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, you know, anything... Anything you can do to get yourself motivated to fix your or finish your book, it's a good thing, you know. So for me, I like competition. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna hustle, see who wins. You know, it's just bragging rights. Um, so you oh, know, yeah. nothing's really, you know, on the line except to say that you beat the other guy. And, oh, I um, put a beer yeah. on every, anything, but that's that. You know, that's how I roll. I like putting a beer on just any fucking thing on. on yeah, the he, I don't think he right. drinks. I think he's a straight edge. He lives in Temecula. So and O'Doul's. Yeah I'll, yeah, I'll see if he wants to drink some Modules or something. Um, so that's going on. Yeah, man, it, it's it's going really great, actually. These are these are my strongest pages to date. Um, I'm really filling in the backgrounds. I'm putting a lot of detail in there. And, um, you know, years ago, probably a couple of years at this point, I got a quick review from Jim Lee. He, he came down for um, a panel at the San Diego Comic-Con Museum in uh, Balboa. Okay. And uh, it was really small, like... I was like four ways, uh, four rows away from Jim Lee, and um, nice. You know, he's just kind of doing his his thing he does at San Diego, where he draws and talks and answers questions. And um, afterwards, I stuck around and to to like take a photo with them, um, which I have done multiple times. And I was in the I was close to the end of the line, and I said, um, "Hi, is there any chance that you can like look at my work?" And just like maybe give me some feedback. And, um, he, you know, there was a line still. And he goes, well, the best thing I can do is just if you give me something and give me your contact information, I can get back to you. And um, the security guys are like, yeah, just just find it, you know, out of line and let the line keep moving. And uh, I was like, yeah, of course, of course. And so I get out of line and, you know, in my head, I'm like, he's never going to look at this. He's never going to contact me. But, hey, I'm going to do it anyway. And, um, yeah. you know, by the time I find the, the most recent issue of the second shift I had in my bag, I uh, noticed there was only a couple people left in line. So I was like, okay, cool. I'll just get in the back of the line. And uh, sure enough, he ended up looking through it and uh, giving me critiques and stuff like that. So that was, it was super great. It was just like, man, it was, it was perfect having to get out of line to find it and then actually getting the time, just one-on-one -on -one time to talk to him about my work. 
And so something he pointed out was uh, a couple of things. One, he wanted me to move the camera around a little bit more. He said, you have a lot of, like with your backgrounds especially, you have a lot of front on, front on shots. I For my characters, I vary. It's like I have a lot of three quarters, you know, uh, up angles, down angles. But uh, for the backgrounds, I was using a lot of front on shots. So he wanted to see some changes there. And, uh, you know, getting in closer and, and getting getting out further a little bit more. And um, so so it was cool getting all that information from him. Was that the biggest note from him to move the camera around? Yeah, yeah. It was mostly backgrounds. It was honest. It was moving the, the camera around for the backgrounds and uh, filling them up a little more. And uh, uh, one of his one of his disciples, uh, Brett Booth, who actually did the cover to Second Shift Nine. Gorgeous cover. Yeah. Well, thank you. Oh, I love I love that thing, man. He just he knocked it out of the park. It's so beautiful. And uh, so he's actually given me feedback as well. I asked him, I said, hey, you know, because um, I had to send him the interior so he knows what the book looks like, what the characters look like and everything. And um, sure. I asked him for any any feedback he could give me. And, and it was more or less the same thing. It was just move the move the camera around more, uh, fill the backgrounds in more. So this, this issue specifically, 10, I'm really filling it in. It's just like um, there is an establishing, establishing shot on pretty much every page, and that's something that um, I've I've learned from Sean Gordon Murphy too, is just one page. If you have a kick-ass background on one page, or one panel on per page, uh, it anchors the whole page. Like everyone can visualize the rest of the scene. They don't necessarily need uh, full detail in every single background. So that's something I've also kept in mind. So just taking all these hints that I've, uh, hints, these uh, tips and tricks that I've got from artists over the years, it's really helpful and, and it's like paying off right now. Now that you've said that, I will probably pay a little bit more attention. Although, you know, like I don't, I don't read a lot of superhero books, but uh, I wonder how universal that is. And it'll be an interesting thing to look at as I, because you, I, I'm like art illiterate. It'll be interesting to kind of, you know, you're, you're helping build my vocabulary a little bit or build what I can look for in terms of art. So that's, that's pretty cool. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, it's 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 been super rewarding and um, yeah, tons of fun. And uh, I think the last thing that I, I really have going on this week. So we're we're actually recording a day early for you listeners out there, but it's because I'm going to be on a YouTube live stream uh, tomorrow for a channel called I Freaking Love Comics. And so yeah, they're going to be uh, going live while we normally, when we normally record. So I was like, okay, I got to get this done either a day sooner or a day later. So we either were going to do it before, or I was going to let you know how it went. (laughs) Is that discussion archived? Because by the time people uh, hear this, they might want to check it out, but it's going to be, you know, 10 days old, nine days old. Yeah. So, uh, if, if it is archived, which I'm pretty sure it will be, we'll, uh, put a link in the descriptions below. Or, or we won't. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Oh, no, no. We'll have time. Wait a minute. Yeah. Sorry. I'm, I'm like time traveling like crazy. I just watched this movie called Primer and it fucked up my brain and, and it's clearly had an effect. But anyway, that's, that's a different story. <laughs> <laughs> how about you, man? What have you been up to? Oh, my God. You know, I mean, I'm going to preface this by saying there are some weeks and I know you're like this, too, where you can you can, where I can say something like, you know, or, or where I might think to myself, like, you know, I wrote one fucking paragraph since last week. I don't have anything to talk about. So I need to talk about that paragraph like it's the greatest fucking paragraph of all time. Of course, I'm I'm over I'm overdoing it. But there are some weeks where we do way more than others. And this Mm -hmm. is one of those weeks where I did so much or 10 days where I did so much. 
And I am going to give it all short shrift because I just want to kind of get through it, you know? Where we last left off was that I knew I was going to get notes from two people on my novel. And the goal was to clear the decks as well as I could for the novel by working as much on animals as I could. And and I was thinking about this as, as I've been working through stuff. I'm still going to work on animals going forward from, from this podcast. However, it's a different kind of work. I'm going to be thinking like an artist. I'm going to be trying to lay out some backgrounds that allow Albert Nguyen to, to draw on top of them and create a neat like hybrid effect. And, uh, and then probably do some things on top of that as well. So that's, that's the actual artist side of my brain trying to think about art. And, uh, and I'm punching my way through it. I, I think some of the stuff looks pretty good, but it's not Ryder Keith. You know, um, since G- Gary is, t- I'm totally going to steal that from Gary, by the way, because I think it's great. The difference is, like, artist Keith just got born and doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. <laughs> that's, that's where it's a little bit different. Artist Keith and Ryder Keith are going to get to coexist. But what I wanted to do was get the animal script out of my hair by the time I got all of these comments. And I did. I finished it. I finished it at a detailed level. And then I hit up Mike and I said, hey, man, you still interested in looking at this script? Because he had mentioned, hey, man, I want to look at the script and just see where you are before we really get too detailed, you know, into the art and how it all fits together. Don't don't bother doing lettering or anything yet. Don't don't worry about final pages. Let's just look at the script in its pure form and then fi- and figure it out and then worry about the lettering. And I was like, fuck yeah, man, that sounds great. So Mike now has the script, which is awesome. And, uh, and I can kind of retire that as an idea for a little bit because, to continue that, I did get both of my bits of feedback on my novel. I just spent some time typing up what is basically my plan of action between now and when I plan to have the novel complete. The novel, my plan is to have the novel complete Halloween 2021 because it is a horror novel and why not try to shoot for Halloween that makes the most sense out of anything yeah that's perfect yeah you're gonna try to have it like print like fully printed at everything by Halloween nope okay Nope, nope. So, so, and, and that's a that's a great question because I had somebody else, uh, a friend of mine, actually shout out. I don't think Alec. Uh, I, I think I'm pronouncing his last name right, but Alec Palanuk or, or Palanuk. Um, I don't know if he listens to this podcast, but uh, he he and I were were you know sending texts back and forth and stuff and just catching up. And he was asking about the novel, and he's like, I look forward to reading it. And I forgot to mention at the end, like you know, you're, you're not going to be able to read it on Halloween 2021. Uh, hopefully not, because uh, so Halloween 2021 is the date where I expect to be finished with the novel, at which point I will start researching agents and begin the shopping for agent process. So the the in, in a loose way, the way that this is supposed to work is Keith finishes novel, Keith shops for agents, Keith sends novel to agents, some agent says, yes, I want to represent this, that happens, then that agent hunts for a publisher, and then that publisher says, I would love to publish this. And then it gets put in the queue and then probably is on a shelf. I mean, if I'm finishing Halloween 21, if this if this all goes well, maybe it'll be available in 2023, something like that. That's the way that this kind of works in terms of pipelines and length and time like that. But my work will essentially be done. And then from, you know, once I'm done with the novel, it's going to be an agent search. But on day one of the agent search, um, I'm pretty much going to start on novel two. And crank on that, as well as doing all my comic stuff. You also forgot to point uh, point out Keith makes millions. Keith makes yeah. millions. Keith, That's the end, Keith end of that passes plan. out 
in Ma- no <laughs> I'm totally gonna cut that but I, I wouldn't why totally say it why would you yeah, why would you yeah, cut yeah. it it's too good uh because my co-workers might be listening and I can't do that because well, <laughs> them that's why that's why I was just I was just telling that whole thing to my kid by the way the whole Chappelle thing like why treat the customer <laughs> with such disrespect and then I mentioned that like you actually just drop that into conversation randomly we both do so yeah man I, I hear it's you. one of my favorite things Yes, exactly, exactly. But uh, I have what I think is a pretty uh, solid plan of action, and I it's gonna be look, man. It's gonna be it's gonna be work, um, and it's gonna be a lot of work to get this thing done by Halloween because there are you know, everything. So this goes back to kind of when we started this podcast. My assumptions were correct, which is great news. There, you know the the structure of the house is there, the the foundation is there, the the wood is there. Um, we've put up some walls and things look good. Now it's time to to get it that extra step and have it go well. So I was really happy to to hear that and have those things validated. And even better, you know, kind of like when you got the feedback, I would imagine from Brett Booth and from Jim Lee, when you get feedback and you have in, you know inclinations on what you're doing it's nice to have that feedback of like yes i am going in the right direction this is not perfect but nothing things rarely are right and to kind of have that and 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 then every time that your validations are confirmed that makes you feel more confident about what you think next time you know and and that's the Mm -hmm. part that i really like so you know it tells me that i understand my novel well even for its flaws which is which is a pretty great thing to to know and to find for the next time this comes up yeah absolutely that was that was something else too during the those critiques i made sure to ask like jim i was like how are the characters like you know how are the figures he goes they're fine they look fine and you know he wasn't you know it wasn't like we were sitting down for hours it was like he gave me five minutes or less but it was you know for me it's the best five minutes of my life so anything he says to me it's just like okay well if you say they look weird I'm going to work on him, you know, but he said they looked fine. Yeah. He's like, yeah, they, they look fine. Like it was just very like, yeah, that's what characters look like, you know, type thing. So I was like, all right, yeah. well, well, there's that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, man. I, I mean, we, we have people who listen to this podcast, a lot of people who create stuff. Some people write, some people draw, some people do both. Some people might just like to listen because it's a process podcast, but the willingness to self-examine and, and change stuff if necessary is a huge thing. You know what I mean? Like you can mm-hmm. almost always get better and you can and you should always expose yourself to feedback. And and I think the fact that you even went in there with the you know you like you just gave it away, right? That you went into a meeting with Jim Lee going whatever Jim Lee says word is bond. You're at least you're walking in with this willingness to improve and this willingness to make it better. You know, I I'll tell people for the rest of my life I'm not, I'm, I've never been the best writer in my group of, of, uh, cohorts, you know, now, now, right now I'm in a group of people like that we, where we do a workshop on our own and critique each other's work and stuff where we're all pretty serious minded about it. But I've been in Mm -hmm. novel classes before. I have never been the, the best novelist in my class, but I've always known that from day one, I was going to work the hardest out of everybody. And I just had to prove that and become known as the hard worker. And whenever we would, you know, like one of my, what my teacher would always say is we do a check-in at the beginning. And I was, I was mad 
when I wasn't the student that had done the most pages of work for the week. That's just how I am. And I I think that's, look, that's how we both are. We both want to be known as the person that works the hardest and, Mm -hmm. um, and working, working hard and making yourself open to feedback. Those are probably the two most important qualities, right? Yeah. I wish I got more feedback than, than I do get. Um, and, and I don't know if that's a good sign or a bad sign or what it is, but you know, asking Jim Lee that and Brett Booth, it's like, you know, me going up to a boxer and taking my mouthpiece out and uh, pulling their gloves off and going, punch me in the face. <laughs> hey, Mike Tyson. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck your couch. And then, uh, you know, but uh, so, you know, the worst thing I got was, uh, you know, just move your camera around more, you know, and, and, and so for me, that was that was great. And, and I'm definitely taking it to heart. I'm yeah, this issue 10, man, it's it's um, definitely the best issue I've drawn so far. That's great to hear, man. And and actually, yeah, I think I'm that's gonna, I think up. that's what uh, everyone wants too. Uh, sorry to cut you off. Yes, but I think that's what no, everyone no. wants too with um, all of their projects. You know, hopefully everyone is improving with each issue that they put out or each book that they put out. Um, you know, hopefully everyone is improving and trying to do so. So, all of yeah. you up and coming creators out there, don't be afraid for to get the negative feedback because it's it's going to come one way or another, more than likely. You know, yeah. unless you're yeah. just born with this insane gift and you're, you know, ready made. But, um, yeah, there's going to be some tough times coming and, and just, you know, take the advice. Don't, don't be yeah. offended. And if you are offended, keep it to yourself and, and internalize. <laughs> don't be a bitch. Or, or to quote, I'm going to quote a whole bunch of different people here or to quote suicidal tendencies. Maybe you needed to be offended, you know, like maybe you needed yeah. that, that shot where, where you realize that you may have constructed a little bit of a bubble for yourself and mm-hmm, for that bubble absolutely. to get pop may not be the worst thing in the world, you know. No, I totally agree. And uh, you know, and the, I'm gonna, uh, you, so, you don't want to just yeah. get feedback from, you know, your close friends or your family or your mom or something. It's like they're not going to be as honest with you as as one would be, like as a pro would be. Yeah. Like Eric Larson, for instance, he demoralizes people from what I understand. <laughs> so, um yeah. yeah, so, you know, obviously pick your battles. It's like well, I don't want him to ruin my life. <laughs> I don't want, to, no, but exactly. I, you know, but I do want p- positive feedback. So, you know, if you're out there and you're trying to create books, you know, when conventions start rolling around again, you can submit your portfolio for review, and the editor uh, will will take you through it. So, yeah, support when it. conventions roll around again, sounds so glorious, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, someday, someday, someday. But someday. I, I wanted to paraphrase um, my my close friend. Um, and the bassist in Big Pimp Jones for many years, the the immortal Chris Williams, aka Mad Ruckus. Um, when we were, because I it, I was thinking about that when you were just talking about how you always want this issue to be the issue where you think it's your best issue, and or where this you always want this to be your best work. And and he said one time where every time we do an album. We always think, man, this album is the best album we've ever done. And then by the time we finish the next album, we always think, man, that last album was bullshit. <laughs> you know? So anyway, <laughs> I just, I love that way. I love that way of putting it. And that's good. That's good. It means, it means you're improving. But um, it's healthy. And then, and then, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's healthy. It's healthy. But, uh, and then the final piece, of course, is that um, we're recording this on a Tuesday and, Man, it is. I mean, this is obviously going up, you know, a, a ways away, um, March eighth. 
but it has been a wonderful, wonderful first two days of the Kickstarter. You know, it, it funded in five hours um, it, after the end of day one, which was just yesterday or technically this morning at 5 a.m. Um, it had almost doubled its goal. And then I got absolutely wonderful news about an hour before we went to record here, which was um, Kadoja Volume 3 is is a project we like on Kickstarter. And, um, you know, from what I understand, that's a really rare thing. And it means that Kickstarter is going to highlight the project and and put it in the projects we like thing for people that are just like if people log on to Kickstarter, they might be staring Kadoja volume three in the face. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm thrilled and, and obviously I'm proud. Um, I'm happy that the work that that me and the artists and Lance and, and everybody have done getting us to this point, but I'm also really happy, you know, I'm, I'm so excited that, that people backed it, people shared it and did all that stuff because, you know, everybody else put us in this position to be here. And the best part is this thing almost has three weeks to run. So it's going to be a project we like for almost three weeks. And that, that tickles me to no end, man. I'm so excited for that. Yeah, that's great. So they, they do have it in that section the entire time it's up. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe, and maybe I'm just getting it wrong, but even if that damn thing's up for a day, I'm going to be excited about it. You know? Oh, for so, sure. I mean, I, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. You know, honor. actually, I, okay, whether it's in the section, I don't know, but Projects We Like is an endorsement that you keep up for the life, the duration of your Kickstarter. You basically get a tiny little Kickstarter sanctioned heart at the bottom of your project when people, mm, okay. uh, when people log on. And I, and I imagine there is some degree of featured status that they do it with. Although, you know, look, this is all new to me so i am going to find this out because i don't expect this to ever happen again and i'm going to enjoy it and we'll see what that means you know again i'm i'm just i'm really really happy for it i mean you know you and i talk about this man i mean this is this is an indie comics podcast um we make indie comics and i don't think we've really talked about this before but you know any publicity is good publicity and i think mm-hmm. i think people that you know, and, and I can say this as a fact, because there were times where in my in my previous like musical iteration, I would get an absolute trash review, an absolute trash review. But what's interesting is after a day, two days, a week, a month longer, nobody remembers like they remember that somebody talked about you somewhere. They don't remember what the review was. And, and so I think as a creator, I don't know about you, Scott Batman, but, but what I fear is simply being ignored. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's not about being loved or hated. It's if you're loved or hated, then, then, then someone is actually interested enough to talk about you. And, um, and so for something like this, it's great, you know, like it, it, it just notches up a little bit more that this project may not be ignored or overlooked in, in the current of projects that are out there. Yep. Totally. Yeah. It's, um, it's a huge honor as someone who has been backing Kickstarters and creating Kickstarters for so long. Uh, you also might get an email sent out from Kickstarter to people that are signed up that it just says projects we love and um or, or well, it's love right projects we love projects we like whatever yeah. whatever the title is yeah um yeah they'll send an email saying uh, projects we love kadoja volume three and so everyone that is subscribed to uh, kickstarter to get you know notices they'll get that in their email so that word is going to spread and and you know like you're saying as indie comic creators it's it's the best thing in the world to to get some acknowledgement for your title so i'm super excited yeah. for you man this is 
It's going to yeah, be a man. nice uh, remaining three weeks. I hope so. I hope so. I mean, I'm I'm eager to see how it goes. You know, it, it's funny. Um, can can we can we let's talk a little Kickstarter behind the scenes here. Mm-hmm. How often do you check how your Kickstarter is doing? The first week, um, so many times per hour. <laughs> Just honestly, it's <laughs> it's a it's relentless. <laughs> I would say at least once an hour. Um, maybe once every other hour. Like after the first. Okay, as soon as I launch it, I'm checking it every 30 minutes. And then um, um, after that, it moves to like once an hour, you know, something like that. Once in a while, I'll skip a couple of hours. but And then as the weeks go on, it's just kind of, you know, once a day, twice a day. But it's also dependent on how many notifications I'm getting. Like if it's a hot Kickstarter with a lot of uh, like, you know, if I do the Accidental Aliens Kickstarter it's uh, a lot more people contributing to the project. So you have yeah. a little bit more frequency in the backing. And when yeah. it's solo projects, it's depending how hard I'm pushing the project. So for instance, this project, I'm not pushing as hard as I'm going to a trade paperback or a hardcover. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm kind of, in a way, I'm kind of reserving that for when I need it the most. So. Yes. I'll go to the lengths usually, like when I first started doing Kickstarters, because I, I read some stuff online, um, uh, listened to a couple of interviews uh, from people that have done successful Kickstarters, what they did. So I used their their model to to run my own Kickstarter, and, and it went very well. So right away, I think my very first Kickstarter, I think I made uh, over 5000 and then, um, you know, I, I think the highest one went up to eight, and so that was super duper cool. But... Um, I stop using the tactic of contacting people individually. And that's, look, if you're, if this is your one and only project, you're trying to launch every single person that you have on your friends list on Facebook, on Twitter, Instagram, uh, contact them individually and let them know about the project. And that will Mm -hmm. push your, your project, um, to the ultimate heights that you can do that are under your control. So, um, but for projects like this, so when I do these smaller ones, it's only for single issues. I'm not going to that well every single time. It's like, okay, let me just put it out there onto my social media. I'll put it on my Twitter and Instagram. I'll post about it, you know, Twitter a couple of times a day, Instagram once a day, and uh, Facebook once a day, stuff like that, just to get the word out. And people will back it who want to back it. And, um, you know, people that follow you on Facebook, or uh, not Facebook, on Kickstarter, they'll get notifications that you have a new Kickstarter. So a lot of work will be done for you in in that aspect like just by putting it on social media but if you're really trying to get the maximum dollar it it means a lot to people end up supporting you that you contact that contacted them individually like it's more personal like if i contacted you specifically and said hey keith you know um uh, I know you love comics and stuff. I know my comics aren't normally your thing. You don't really like earn as superheroes or anything. But, you know, I got this new Kickstarter out. I'm trying to get it funded and this and that. And you'll feel something about that. You'll feel like, oh, Scott contacted me specifically to talk to me about this. And you might consider yeah. backing the project if you weren't going to, right? So yeah. um, so that's that's the benefit of contacting people individually. So. This where I'm going, kind of like a general thing. It's a I'm I'm saving those bullets. Yeah, I I hear you. I hear you. I mean, that's something that I think we talked about. I think we we uh, stopped recording a couple of weeks ago and then just riffed for like 45 minutes afterwards and just like you know talking about all kinds of stuff. And one of the things I think we brought up, which which is I'm thinking about here too, is don't you know like 
the value of one individual backer is important. You know, so many people get into the creative field or the creative arts or want to share their product because they're interesting in like, quote unquote, making it big. And it's like, you can't make it big if you don't make it small first, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. and, And so I think there's, there's just a huge value in, the merits of every additional backer. Cause to your point, you know, and, and I'm thinking of that about that because if you hit me up and I share it, maybe I get one more backer for you. Maybe I get four, maybe I get mm-hmm. none. But if you multiply that by a whole bunch of people, an average of maybe half a backer per person, they add up, you know, and, and, oh, um, sure. you know, I, I just, I just think every person matters. And I think, you know, I don't know, man, I, I, I just, it, it's it's important to never underestimate that these things get built brick by brick. Every single backer does matter, you know, and that's something that I would relay a lot to people when I first started doing this, this Kickstarter stuff. I would contact them individually and let them know like, hey, you know, even a buck helps, please spread the word, you know, like you might not be able to afford the dollar now, but maybe someone you know can, you know, and then they end up backing yep. it at a $20 level or $25 level. And um, honestly, one of my biggest comic supporters was from someone who referred referred him. And now he backs every single yeah. one of my projects. It's like if that one friend didn't put it out on his social media, this guy would have never saw my page. And, and um, yeah. you know, like the the landscape of my comics would be quite different. Like he's he's actually a main uh one of the characters in the book now because he nice, always backs nice. the um the guest spot tier so if you ever yeah. read the second shift patrick um shout out to patrick he's a longtime backer and um yeah he's just a huge supporter of what i do and uh, he's he's like a supporting character in second shift now like i couldn't imagine yeah. second shift without patrick in it you know he's the comic yeah. store owner Be- before we roll on to this next section um, I did want to bring up something else about Kickstarter. So uh, before we got onto the air, we were talking about our mail calls on comics we were getting everything. One book that I did get that I didn't mention to you, it was a Kickstarter comic. It's a hardcover oversized by Scott Snyder and Tony Daniel. And what's super cool about this comic book, it's called Noctura, uh, N-O-C-T-E-R-R-A. And th- what's really cool about this is it's a process hardcover. Um, from what I remember seeing on the Kickstarter itself. So it's the book, but it's kind of not the book. Like, it's not the comic exactly. It's Scott Snyder's scripts with Tony, Dancel, uh, Tony Daniels' uh, pencils and inks. And they're side mm. by side. So it's just oh, like, okay. you're ge- you're getting the comic, but you're getting it in the processed form of it. So it's unique to Kickstarter backers. So it's just like, I think they're using the majority of the funds to... Uh, uh, print the the real book coming out, and so mm-hmm. everyone that that Kickstarter get they, they get the special edition comic or a hardcover. So I, I think that's super rad and and um, very unique. I've never I've never seen something like this. So it's pretty rad. Nice, nice. And and you gave me a chance to realize that the cat's pajamas is going to my head because I asked you a question and didn't answer it myself, which was how often do you check your Kickstarter? I am forcing myself to a, a maximum of three checks per day. So wow. I am looking, I am looking at my clock. It is eight thirty-two right now. I checked it in the morning when I woke up and I checked it again around um, two 
and I have not checked it. That's interesting. Yeah, and and even even wilder is, and I'm kind of proud of this in a really strange way, is that I didn't know the project funded until I checked my email. And then I saw what time the email got sent through and I was like, oh, wow, it funded in five hours. This is awesome. You know, but like, I feel like I'm really, really um, just kind of, you know, like you like you were challenging a friend um, in terms of how many pages can can you do and, and hopefully you can beat me. I'm challenging myself to not obsess with reloading Kickstarter because damn it, the couple times that I have, I immediately just hang on there and I'm like, oh, it's been five minutes. Check again. And then I'm like, no, 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 Keith. <laughs> get the hell away right walk away right now and so um so yeah man i'm i'm really pleased in a way with my own discipline so far and hopefully i keep that up and just keep the keep the checking light and keep the promotion heavy and keep spreading the word that's cool man i i wouldn't do that to myself but uh good on you like yeah i i use it like uh, and seriously like that is good on you i couldn't do it uh nor would i want to because i feel like i'm stressed out enough about Kickstarters that not allowing myself to see how much it's up to or how it's doing would stress me out even more. And um, <laughs> I don't need or want added stress. So it's just like, oh, just like, you know, this is me not me, me telling myself, not me telling you, but it's just like, just check it, asshole. What's a big deal? So, so I'll check it. I'm like, okay. It hasn't, it hasn't, you know, moved or it has moved. And then, uh, then I move along with my day. Well, I think it's interesting because I think we both come from the same place. It's just how we deal with it. We deal with the same thing differently. You deal mm-hmm. with stress by just saying, screw it, I'll check it. I deal with stress by saying, screw it, I won't. That's it. That's the only difference. Like, mm. I'm I'm just thinking, yeah, I, I it, it's only going to stress me out more if I continually check it. I'd rather just, so what I do is I allow the checking of my Kickstarter to be a reward for the work that I've done today. You don't get to check your Kickstarter until you've written your hour, uh, you've worked on your novel for an hour, and until you've done all these other things, right? And then only, then and only then can you check to see how your Kickstarter's doing. So I, I make it kind of a reward for doing work and getting my daily amount of required, you know, checks, checks done on my checklist. Well, that's definitely good. That's something I might, you know, consider doing at some point. Yeah, or or I'm a or I'm a compulsive asshole. <laughs> anyway, all right, so we should we should it's time to get to the uh the the Gary Yap trilogy. So my buddy Gary Yap, he sent in an email. He's been an avid listener of the podcast ever since it started. He sent us over an email and it's a, a hefty email. So we're going to answer we're going to split it up. So we're going to answer answer a couple of questions by Gary. Um, not to be confused with Hodges. I know. I like, ga- by the way, you don't you don't have to be named Gary to submit questions to the podcast. Yeah, anyone, and if your name's Gary, especially if your name's Gary, you be- I mean that's acting is sort of a double bonus right now, you know. But but anyway, uh, yeah. <laughs> Do we want to read the whole thing, or we just want to go straight to the questions? So I mean, I I, I think we can I, look. I'll, I, there were two questions that I wanted to talk about this episode because. You know, Gary Yap, I hope you're listening right now. You you have some really great stuff in there and and one or two of those things might up might end up being a recurring segment. So I will say that some of the things Gary said were very complimentary. Um, I mean, 
what what would I, I think? Uh, let let me go with this, Scott. I'm going to say my favorite thing he said about you, and then you can say the favorite thing he said about me. I think that's easier. What I liked about okay. what he said about you was that he keeps a stack of comics, I believe, by his bed or by his drawing table. I can't remember, or by his like work table for inspiration mm-hmm. on on like this is what can happen if I just keep working, and your comics are there. He, he has you in his like inspiration stack in terms of like pulling from and saying, if I work like Scott, I can get my stuff out there. So I thought that was one of the coolest things I've read in a while. Yeah, that, that was super great. And I really appreciated that. Um, I loved that he said, uh, you know, you're an artist, like regardless of you calling yourself a writer, like, come on, writing is art. And it's so true, you know, and, and I think. A, a movement towards something like that, um, maybe in the early aughts, was calling comic book creators just creators. You know, it was such a, mm. a shift, a paradigm shift. It's like, well, he's the artist and he's the writer. It's like, we're both creators. You know, you're creating a yeah. book, I'm creating a book. So um, I thought that was really cool. And the fact that he was um, so excited about the podcast and to learn more about you, who he didn't know, he went out and he picked up all your books on Comixology. Um, to yeah. his disappointment, they weren't all on there. So he was like, "Hey, man, where that, where the heck's the rest of your books?" So yeah, that's um, that's because that's because stupid Keith has not listed the others on Comicsology due to a misunderstanding with Diamond. So actually, on my action item list, Gary is to get uh, issues seven, eight, nine, and ten up on Comicsology soon. So it's uh, I've yeah. been a little preoccupied with the Kickstarter, but it's coming. Yeah, and that's and that's huge for us. So you know, uh, if you listen to this podcast and you enjoy what we do. I've, I've said it a couple of times. We don't have a Patreon or anything like that. We don't take ads out on the podcast. Hey, pick up our books. You know, you guys are obviously into comics because you're listening to this podcast. The best thing you could do is pick up our books, and and that's how you support us. And so, Gary, thank you so much for that. Yeah, exactly. And and, and if not, hey, it's, it's all good, man. We all have lives. But, yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely like a, a top-level achievement that we that Scott and I both really, really appreciate. Yeah, absolutely. Or just keep listening, whatever. Like, we appreciate or you just that you're listening, listening to the podcast. Just yeah. keep listening on on the on the on the promise that you listen to us talk about basketball too. <laughs> <laughs> you have to suffer like, through our after credits basketball talk. Well, do we want to knock out the easy one? Do we knock out the easy one first or Oh uh, yeah, okay, why don't we? Why don't we? The the, okay. the first question, the easy one was um and I'm going to let you go first on this one was which podcasts about comics do you listen to? So, I have a few that I listen to. Uh, number one, and I've listened to it for years. I think it's a great conversational show. Um, it's also a review show. They review weekly comics as well as uh, novels and, and things along those those lines. Is I Fanboy, and for me, they're like one of the old. For one, they're one of the oldest running comic podcasts around. And when you listen to them talk, I feel, I feel like I could hang out with these dudes. Like they just feel mm. like regular guys that also happen to read comics, um, so nice. so that's it's that's a huge appeal to me, and um, yeah, they're great. So if you don't care about books getting spoiled or whatever, you can listen to their their pod, and they actually have um, timestamps. So if you like like for instance, they they always say okay, so this week we're re- we're talking or this this is a uh, firepower. So I read firepower. So I pause it, I look at their timestamp, and I jump to the next issue. And it's just like, okay, I don't read that title. I don't care if they talk about it. So, but I've gotten some, uh, uh, you know, 
recommendations just based off of that podcast. It's like, hey, that book sounds pretty cool. I like the premise of that. And they seem to think highly of it. And um, so I'll give a lot of stuff a try just just based off of their recommendation. Nice. Um, do you want me to rifle through all of them or do you want to yes. go back and forth? I, I want you to rifle through all of them. Okay. So that's number one. Uh, two is Off Panel with David Harper. And that is more of an interview show. So he'll interview creators and talk to them about their process and uh, everything along those lines. Um, depending on how well-known the creator is, it depends how far back he goes. You know, how did you get your start in comics or this and that. If it's a well-known creator, he doesn't really do that so much because he knows that there's millions of other podcasts and interviews out there that you can you can go check out. So if you're into interview sh- uh, podcasts with uh creators uh that's 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 one for you off panel Mm. um there's two by comic creators uh, comic artists one is stegman and his amazing friends and the intro's hilarious because it's the spider-man and his amazing friends intro but it's just him saying steg and then it cuts to man and his amazing friends (laughs) (laughs) um and so it's great and uh, he has a couple of hosts. They're they're the ones that pretty much run the episode, and so they ask him questions, and he chimes in. It's usually some smart-ass answer, which is hilarious. He has a very dry sense of humor and just basically talks shit about people all the time, and all jokingly, of course, but um, it, yeah. it's hilarious. So he'll have, like, Donny Cates and uh, some other prolific Marvel writers uh, on the pod as well. And lastly, for comics, is Observations. So that's a podcast by, by Rob Liefeld. And uh, the first few episodes, it's him basically going through him collecting comics as a kid. So he takes you from when he first started collecting comics, what he was reading. Um, in these later episodes, he starts talking about um, certain certain things. Like he's talking about WandaVision. So he was going mm. through the history of those characters because he was reading those growing up. Those were coming out on the spinner racks when he was a little kid. So he just gives a lot of depth and insight to the cre- or the, these creations, their backstories and everything. And so I've learned a lot about those characters just by listening to his podcast. So it kind of enriches the episodes when they do a reveal because like I wouldn't have known who Agatha is if yeah. I didn't listen to that podcast. I had no clue. So when the reveal yes. happened, it's just like, oh, that's who Rob Liefeld was talking about. I know her whole backstory. She was uh, the witch that trained Wanda Maximoff. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's just like you learn these things you didn't know before. So it's pretty cool. So those are those are my comic ones. I didn't know if he also wanted other podcasts that I listened to. Well, we'll let, we'll let Gary follow that up. He he specifically did ask a comic podcast, I think. Oh, OK. Um, right. And and yeah, Gary, shout shout us out if you want to if you want to go into other things. Because this brings us to my part, which is, um, I hope I don't get drawn and quartered for this. I don't really listen to podcasts anymore. There was a time where I listened to a bunch of podcasts, but uh, and, and there's a reason, and I wanted to talk about that reason, because it also ties into a question that my, my friend um, Brian Clark shouted out today. Um, we, were, we were on a text thing, and so he asked the question, how in the hell do you consume four books a month? And um, and I think I've mentioned this before because it ties into Gary's question as well, which is I listen to a ton of audiobooks, and uh, and mm. I've mentioned before that some some people view that as cheating. 
but I don't. And and if you would like to grill me on the contents of an audiobook, feel free. Like like kind of like come at me, bro. <laughs> right? Like I pay attention to the audiobooks that I'm reading. But anyway, and and you know, I, I think the argument against audiobooks is because you're not actually reading it, you tend to to lose focus. And anybody who has read a book knows that you plenty lose focus reading a page just like you do listening to audio. Right. So anyway, so yeah, I, I again, just to just to answer both of those questions at the same time, I go through a minimum um, at this point of about four audiobooks a month. Um, at, that's up. I think in 2019, I read about 40. In 2020, I think I knocked out 51. And this year, I'm already on a pace for a little bit more than four a month, which which makes me happy. And the reason I'm doing that is because I was a devout podcast listener, although I didn't really listen to much about comics. Um, I just listened to a ton of different podcasts to kind of inform my writing ideas. That's what I tried to do. And mm. um, and then on, on the first day of class with the person that is now kind of my novel instructor slash guru, right, the person that I took a ton of novel classes through, he said... On day one, people who write for a living do two things every day. Or, and he specifically means write fiction. They, they write fiction and they read fiction. You know, like I remember driving home from that class going like, am I serious about this? Because if I am serious, then I'm going to need to change the way I do a lot of my shit. And I just decided by the end of that drive, it's a long drive home from UCLA. That's the best thing sometimes because sometimes I would get a bad workshop or or a workshop that, you know, I mean, bad is is relative, right? Are you willing to listen to constructive feedback? But yeah, man, I had to process that. And luckily it was an hour plus on the ride home. And by the time I got home, I always felt way better. And I always knew that I had a plan of attack and that made me really happy and uh, and energized. But uh, by the time I got home, I was like, nope, I'm going to do this. Here's what I'm going to change. Here's what I'm here's what I'm going to get rid of. I'm going to get rid of podcasts and I'm just going to listen to audiobooks all the time because I buy a ton of books, but I don't have as much time to sit down and read them as I like. However, I'm in my car a lot. And so it's a real opportunity for me. Yeah, man, I, I crank out at least four audiobooks. Um, and, and it's not that I don't listen to podcasts. It's just that I listen to them very sparingly. And in a lot of cases, they tend to be a de- detox type thing like sports or something like that, just so I can unwind and relax a little bit or maybe music because I'm, I'm trying to focus on the fiction that I'm listening to slash reading in my car. No, that's that's great. No, and it makes 100% sense why you would do that. So where I would listen I would listen and watch YouTube shows while I'm drawing to artists talking about their technique or tutorials uh it, you're doing the same thing. You're just doing it the way a writer would. It's like, "Oh, you're yeah. like by me looking at art, you're you're listening to someone else's words. You're you're learning a page at a time or a book at a time, and I'm learning a book at a time. Yeah, and, and that's that's the best way you can do it. You just you just swim into these things and figure out what you like, figure out what you don't. Why do you like what you like? It's not just under. It's not just figuring it. Out. It's not just noticing it. It's trying to understand its wiring, right? Which can get tricky, mm-hmm. but uh, if you focus on it, you'll you'll see it, and you'll learn pick up different things that you might have not known to do before, just a different way. It's like, oh wow, that guy his transition was a lot different than anyone I've ever heard. I've never heard anyone do it like that. And it might inspire you to create your own way, you know, and, and that kind of thing happens. I could watch somebody draw something. I'm like, wow. Oh, I've never seen anyone draw it like that. I wonder how else I could draw it like that. And so, yeah, you're, you're doing your part. And as for those people that say, well, listening to an audio 
or audiobook is is like cheating to who for who where's where's the score like what's what is the end result do you want to know what happened in the book then you listen to the book and you read the book you do it the best way you can and easiest way you can like you said if you have an hour and a half in the car I can't read the book, asshole. So I'm going to listen to it, you know. Yeah, and um, exactly. You know, uh, fuck those people. Because <laughs> fuck them. That's why. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's just exactly. like who's keeping score? What do you mean it's cheating? Cheating to who? Yeah. You know, get exactly. off your high horse. Take in the information. Yeah. Get the information how you can. You know, it's just like um, if I don't know how to do something on Photoshop, I don't fumble around for hours trying to figure it out i'll go onto youtube where someone says hey do you want to learn how to do this and i say yes yes i do and then they show me how to do it it doesn't make me yeah. a cheater it makes it exactly. makes me smart or or it's sort of it's sort of preposterous that you might say like well if you want to learn that thing on photoshop then you can't really listen to someone talk about it you have to watch them no no whatever <laughs> works for you works for you right that's sort of yeah. how this whole thing works yeah, yeah, it's just, it, I don't know, people like that, it's just ridiculous. Well, if yeah, you're doing exactly. it this way, you're cheating. Like, get out of here. Yeah. No, that's fine. Well, the, the, well then no. I guess I'm cheating. No, don't let them you off know? the hook. So, so be no, I'm just kidding. So Everything's be it. fine. So be it. Okay, so let's, let's get to that second question, because this was somehow the short one, and we still spent some time talking about it. That's how we do it, man. Yeah, yeah. I will I will break this question down into two sub-questions, right? So Gary asked the awesome question of what things informed you know what you're creating right now what what things may have informed your desire to create what things may have made you kind of you know and and he mentioned what music comics movies tv books anything what were the big influences and and as i thought about this um just kind of driving around today and and thinking about it i think the best way that it worked for me was to think about what the early influences are perhaps when i was in my formative years like a teenager and maybe didn't even know i wanted to do comics i mean i think we have different answers for that and then uh, kind of the adult years so let's start with you and and we'll just do formative years what were the things in your formative years your yeah i don't know your young ages your teens that really drove the creative person you are right now well i've i've always drawn um but I would say for comics, what really got me excited about comics in general was um, uh, Art Adams. He was the artist that I saw. I was I was jazzed to get my first books. And this is something we've talked about, uh, I believe, in our origin episode. We talked about comics, um, how we got into comics and all of that. Um, but the first time I went to a comic book store, I saw X-Men Classic number one in a glass case. And, and the cover is an iconic cover drawn by Art Adams. He was my first comic book love. I was like, this this is amazing art. Like, I love, this is perfect. This is what it's supposed to look like. And then you see the interior of some of these books, and uh, the cover doesn't match the interiors. And I learned that later on um, when I had a little bit extra cash. I just started buying books willy-nilly and saw that there is such a thing as cover artists. Um, I would say the second biggest influence on me was nine the nine I call them the 90s uh, 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 triple threat it's Jim Lee Rob Liefeld and Todd McFarlane they were the three guys that if I ever saw a book from them I bought it and it I didn't understand that there could be artists that good like it was just a whole other level that 
exploded into my brain. It's like, look at all this detail. Who draws like Todd McFarlane? Um, you know, Jim Lee was essentially like Art Adams 2.0 to me. And uh, Rob Liefeld had this tremendous energy and just style that wasn't like anybody else's. And um, those three guys combined uh, were just so inspirational and I, I couldn't get enough comics. And which leads me to uh, the, the creation of Image Comics, which mm. was like the game changer of all game changers. I was a Marvel zombie growing up and I saw an ad for Youngblood and uh, Wildcats. Uh, they had these little little ad sections inside of comics and uh, I saw Rob Liefeld's very distinctive art. I was like, hey, that's Rob Liefeld's drawing. Who are these characters? And I saw Image Comics and uh, Malibu was close by it. And I'm like, what company is this? This isn't Marvel. What is this? I didn't understand that artists could move companies. Like I was... I was very young into the comics game and I was just learning people's names. So I didn't even know that you can change companies. And um, I didn't like it. I didn't like the fact that it wasn't a Marvel comic and I debated on not buying it just because it wasn't a Marvel comic. That's that's how I thought as a kid. And someone smartened me up in the shop. I, I asked him, I said, "What? hey, I saw that they're coming out with this comic. What is this company? I've never heard of this. And they told me, they explained that these artists are creating their own company because they want to own their creations. They don't want a corporation to own, own their comics and their characters. And so for me, that was mind-blowing. It was a complete 180 on how I thought, like instantly. I was like, well, then I want to buy all of those comics because th that's theirs. They own it. They're making all of the money. That's really cool. And um, some something uh, someone very famous said was... Uh, just to paraphrase, it was Stanley, and he never understood why people wanted to write stories about his creations, and why didn't they want to write their own and create their own characters? Like he never mm -hmm. understood why creators constantly wanted to write his sixty-year-old, uh, you know, comic book characters, and and just it didn't make sense to him. And I'm like, that's Stan Lee saying that. If Stan Lee believes that, like. I'm 100% on how I'm thinking. I'm thinking the right way because these image guys, they're think thinking the right way and and I think that's how you're supposed to do it. So Makes sense. Makes sense. That's that's actually really cool. All right. Well, cool. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer that question as well in terms of my formative years because I am older than you. So my formative years, I was thinking about this today, were, I'm just going to say 1984 through about uh, 1989, 1991, something like that. And the reason how old I say 1984... Uh, so I was in seventh grade in 1984, so I would have been 13. That is when I first walked into a comic shop. That's when I first got into comics. And I, I've mentioned how Secret Wars number four is the first comic I remember blowing me away. But I thought about it a little more in terms of like the comics that may have influenced me without me knowing it, right? Because that's the way influences work sometimes. You're just not sure what your future self is going to do. And... um and you just, you know, all of a sudden you realize that this thing from a time in your past meant something. And in a way that also sort of doubles down on the, 
you know, expose yourself to art. Look, since me, since I'm writing fiction, expose yourself to fiction because you really never know what things are going to influence you until down the road. Some things seem like they're going to influence you immediately and they sort of do for the near term. And then 10, 15 years later, you might be like, wow, that book really or that thing that really stuck in my brain. So the thing that I can remember the most that stuck in my brain from a young age and I don't think it t- took long for it to come out, was there was this Batman title that launched called Legends of the Dark Knight. And it was when they were really starting to milk Batman for all that's worth, because I'm a huge Batman fan, even though I don't read any Batman titles right now. And they went into Batman and Detective and, you know, something Batman Beyond or something. I don't know, whatever. But there was Legends of the Dark Knight, which was like the serious title. It was, and, and I, I highly recommend if people like Batman, Legends of the Dark Knight is awesome. There, they they would always do five issue arcs, and it would always just be this neat story. And it just felt like the art was better, the covers were classier, and it just kind of gave I, this. The covers of were what, always painted, right? Like that's yeah, what I remember. I think they were a lot of painted. I think covers. they were. Yeah, they're they're killer. They're killer. And, and in fact, talking about it makes me want to get back into it. So in terms of the things from back in the day that may have dribbled over into the, the present self, I think Legends of the Dark Knight might be the the earliest uh, example of that that I can think of, at least as I reflect. Um, and then in terms of a comic that affected me, impacted me huge. Um, I don't know when it came out exactly, but when The Dark Knight Returns came out, that shit blew my mind. And I was just like, this is what comics can be. And I think, um, I remember hearing about Watchmen, but I don't, I didn't really check out Watchmen until later. That's another great example of like, this is what comics can be. But Legend of the Dark Knight, I, I wish I still had my original copy of that. That's another one that I lent to a friend and then never got it back because I loved that copy because it was dog-eared to shit and like falling apart. And you could tell that I read that thing 40 times, you know? Um, so, you know, I, I don't know. I may have a copy here somewhere. I may not. I may have just waited to get a great deal on like the absolute deluxe edition and still don't own it. But I can I can get right on that pretty easy. But Legends of the... I'm sorry. Dark Knight Returns was the one where I was just like, shit, this is just on another level, you know? And, um, and so those are the big comic influences that may have informed my later choices. But uh, there was a couple other things, which is like a lot of people in the 80s, I was a huge Stephen King fan. Young Me was a was a Stephen King fan. And it turns out that that mattered a lot more than I thought it did through the 90s, through the 2000s, and even through the you know early 2010s, where I've since kind of discovered the idea of novel writing and, uh, and the influence Stephen King had. So that was another one. And then the other one, I can't say it informs anything specifically, but I feel like it informed me greatly as a person is thrash metal. You know, shouts to all my metal people. I know Brian Clark is a metal dude, but I don't know a lot of other people. So heavy metal informs so much of how I think in terms of just, you know, the crazy lyricscapes. I mean, you had bands like like Metallica, of course. Metallica did an instrumental called The Call of Cthulhu with a, with a KT on Ride the Lightning from, I guess that would have been 1984. They have a song called The Thing That Should Not Be, from uh, Master of Puppets, which was 1985. You know, Iron Maiden has an album called Live After Death where there's an H.P. Lovecraft quote on the cover. And those things didn't seem to me much, seem to mean much at the time, but it turns out they informed a lot later, you know? And, uh, but it was the idea of this, 
you know, whatever heavy metal was talking about, right? It was either rebellion, like like Megadeth, where there's political commentary, or it was goofy, like Anthrax, you know, where they're they were they were doing songs about entire comics or about Stephen King novels, and I just thought that stuff was so cool. And so from an early age, I really identified with extreme metal slash thrash metal as something that was me, and that's stayed to this day. You know, I've I've grown as a metal fan. I uh, didn't realize until until I got to school that not everyone listened to heavy metal. Uh, my brother was in a heavy metal band growing up, and so his band would practice in the backyard like every day, and he'd listen to heavy metal every day. And that's just what we listened to in the house, heavy metal. Mm. Uh, I remember being in school, and this one kid started singing a song, and I thought it was one thing, and it was something completely different. And it was... Um, uh, is it Backstreet Boys? It was the Backstreet Boys. Yeah, that's like the old school, old school, uh, uh, you know, boy band. And because yeah. um, there, there's a Metallica song, oh we, oh, we, oh. oh. <laughs> and and there's also a Backstreet Boys that starts like that. And so I thought he was singing Metallica, and he was not. And I started oh, seeing Metallica, and everyone else just stopped and stared at me. Like a crazy person. Yeah, you broke into the part where you're like, and everybody's like, what the fuck is this guy on? <laughs> like, what are you What's talking wrong about? What's wrong with I'm this kid? Sanity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I was like, exactly. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm the only kid here that with long hair and, you know, it makes sense. All right. Oh, that carry on. Awesome. That shit's awesome. Oh, carry on. Carry on. Okay, so we should, we should keep this moving. So let's go to, so that was, that was kind of, you know, the formative stage for both of us. How about adult stage? Have there been anything, because I wrote down a couple things that really influenced me even as an adult or or as recently as I think a few years ago. And have there been anything, have, have there been things like that from you where they've continued to kind of mold and form you even as you've gotten older and perhaps even begun to make comics yourself? I actually had a whole other section that I forgot to mention in the previous part, which is uh, films, because I, I, I mainly mm-hmm. focused on comics there. So those those things definitely formed my comic opinion and how my comic brain works. Um, I just find like a combination of 90s storytelling, uh, like quote unquote, right? Like the way they lay out pages is way more interesting than the way uh, the worksman style artist would would work out a page today i find that stuff more fascinating uh but Mm -hmm. film film uh was another section that that gary mentioned and uh, martial arts films martial arts were huge Mm -hmm. in my development as a little kid and that influenced a lot of things like um uh, me and my uncle we would watch kung fu june that came out on the usa network uh every summer Mm -hmm. we'd watch kung fu june together and that's when i first saw bruce lee like a lot of Bruce Lee films, Into the Dragon obviously was the standout. And uh, later on in life, I would come across Jet Li and then uh, Tony Jaa, you know, from Ung Bak. And so that that influenced like my pro wrestling. When I was a pro wrestler, uh, my character was a sen- it was like my character was a mixture of American wrestling and uh, like martial arts. By the end, I had a perfect blend of it. It was just what my character was. And so that also, and and obviously pro wrestling, I watched tons of pro wrestling when I was a kid. So, um, that influenced, that stuff influenced who I am as a grown up as well. And, and I find that 
that martial arts, uh, uh, Kung Fu June marathons I watch when I kid still influence me to this day. Like a lot of, a lot of that comes through, or I feel is coming through more and more in my comics these days. It's like, there's more of a, uh, Asian, uh, flow through my work, you know, and it's, it's mixing with my American style comics. So that's, that's really big to me. And that's, that's something I want to perfect. I want to have a perfect ba balance of, uh, you know, like manga and uh, Western comics. Okay, so those are our youthful uh, influences, but we're running a bit long this episode, so we're actually going to continue this next week. So uh, the Gary Yap email invitational will continue on for another episode. At minimum. At minimum. It may, it may, it may go even longer than that. You know, thanks to Gary and thanks to people that are hitting us up with texts or with, you know, Facebook Messenger or with emails. Um, just a reminder that we have the email, I believe it's makingcomicspodcast at gmail.com. Correct, Scott? Correct. Yeah, makingcomicspodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to hit us up in any of the ways that you can contact us, but makingcomicspodcast at gmail.com is a great way to do it because then we have an archive of that and we can go back to it. So yeah, thanks to people that are submitting your questions. If you have questions, anything that's coming up, anything that you'd like us to discuss, quote, on the air, then we're happy to. And Keith has a Kickstarter going until March 15th, so don't forget Check the descriptions below for his link, or you can go to kickstarter.com and search Kadoja, and his Kickstarter will pop up. Yeah, and I guess, like, Scott, you had a Kickstarter, but uh, I'm sure you'd be open to contacts about something. So it hasn't Absolutely. closed as we're recording this, but it's going to record, you know, it's going to close soon. But uh, closing does not mean, uh, you know, it's all over. So so feel free to hit up Scott if you happen to miss out, because that totally happens. And I know I found out about cool Kickstarters after they're closed uh, many times. And the great news is you can just find that project and send an email to the people that do it, and they will get that. And who? And who knows what the response will be. I actually had a person contact me recently about the Kadoja volume one graphic novel I did many years ago, like six years ago. And uh, of course they can't get that hardcover graphic novel, but uh, I did end up sending them, I think a volume one and a soundtrack when it all came done and you know, they, they placed an order and everything. So yeah, feel free to hit Scott up if you're, if you're just finding out about that now, but, uh, but the window's closed. Yeah. And you can do that at Scott lost. S-C-O-T-T-L-O-S-T on Twitter and Instagram or Facebook.com forward slash Scott Lost um, to get a hold of me if you want to try to pick yeah. up a bundle pack or the most recent issue. Hell yeah. Yeah. And then in terms of social media, I'm at Keith underscore Decibel on Instagram. That's me. And then we also have at Kadoja Kaiju on Instagram. But uh, not to be ignored, I, I have picked up Twitter a little bit more, and it's at Kadoja on Twitter. So there are a bunch of ways to get hold of both of us. Um, and then how about websites, man? You can go to AccidentalAliens.com. Uh, there you can find any Accidental Alien titles, like my books Second Shift and Wanders of Melisanda. But there's also the Accidental Alien anthologies and Tales from the Mothership, which I have art and stories uh, in all of those titles. Hell yeah. And then in terms of my website, it's KeithRFoster.com. I have a couple blog posts there. And uh, and then if you want to see some stuff about Kadoja, we have a web store there as well. So you just go to Keith Keith KeithRFoster.com. 
click on the store and then there are some uh, some great catch-up goodies there for you in terms of Kadoja. And of course, the Volume 3 Kickstarter is live right now. And uh, and I'll see you in a week, man. All right, thanks everyone. This is your McDonald's supersized episode of Making Comics. <laughs> you fat fucks. Can't stop eating them with your ear holes. Okay. Nine seconds. Eleven seconds. Ten and a half. Um, (laughs) Yeah, man. So, so, uh, man, we got a lot of shit to talk about this time, huh? We do. It's it's pretty crazy. Um, It's pretty crazy because those last two episodes, you know, the the episode before this, obviously, you know, you listening to this, it's it's seven days apart like it should be. But for us, let's see, the last one we recorded was today is Tuesday. It was recorded on a Saturday. So, you know, nine days ago and that Saturday one was recorded, you know, three, four days after an episode. Yeah. So it was, um, you know, we, we had little to talk about that time and we just have a ton to talk about this time. But, um, and, and obviously the Sixers just won. So I'm in, I'm in a good mood for that. I'm in a good mood for another reason, which, which, you know, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Yeah. Um, I look, I looked it up. I was like, okay, was, you know, cause I don't know. There's been a lot of overtime lately games for for Lakers, so I was like, "Is his game still going?" Because you're usually pretty prompt, and uh, I yeah. didn't heard, so I checked on the score, and I was like, "Okay, he'll be happy." Yeah, I just, dude, I just needed. To, I know I'm, I'm in a foul ass mood. Well, they lost to the Raptors the other night, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I mean, it's a great example of the NBA, right? We lost to Toronto the other day because somebody named Chris Boucher caught fire from three, <laughs> and then when we lost to Portland, it was because Carmelo Anthony caught fire at the beginning of the fourth quarter. I mean, it always seems to be with our bench on the floor. But anyway, so yeah, man, in a good mood. And I, I took a shower. Uh, so I'm especially crispy right now, which I, I think means good. I don't know. It's young kid shit. I'm especially fresh, which <laughs> dates me perfectly. Um, but I wanted to mention something to you. You know what else, too? A package came today. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and you're going to know why I'm excited about it. Strange Adventures number three showed up. Oh, right on. There you go. Yeah, that fucking comic. So I think we, I think it showed up in the audio of last episode. I can't remember. The audio of our In the Field episode was uh, so muddled. And I could have swore we used a windscreen for that whole thing, but maybe we didn't. God damn, the wind noise on the microphone was horrible. No, we didn't have the cover on it. Yeah, yeah. You're, so you're going to notice it when we do it. I did my best. But I ended up just cutting a whole lot of audio out of it because of how bad the audio was. Because the wind noise into that thing was just like a like a bass assault on your eardrums. And it overloaded the mic. 
So anyway, that's that's why the episode's shorter. And and thank you to the people who who actually pushed through that, because I think there's interesting stuff there. But you really got to suffer through what what we think is subpar audio. But um, anyway, what we were what we were talking about is that my want list was down to one comic because um, SoCal Comics knocked knocked three off. So your want list is down to like 480 comics. Right. Exactly. My want list was was down to one. And it was Strange Adventures number three. And like, I remember this happening a lot in record collection. It doesn't seem to happen as much in comics. This was the first time where it happened this way with comics, where just because it's rare doesn't mean it's expensive. You know, like Strange Adventures number three, if you can find it, is about $7, $6. Yeah, it's like double cover price, which, of course, bums me out, too, because that was just a missed pull. Mm -hmm. You know, when when something is is a missed hold at the comic shop, I get a little salty on it. But uh, anyway, I could not find that goddamn thing to save my life. You know, in person, um, online, etc. And then I finally found it somewhere online. I actually thought I found it, but it turns out that there's a second print of it. And I guess I'm channeling my inner Scott Lost now because I was just like, fuck this. I don't want a second print. I'd rather pay more for a first print. What am I, a peasant? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, uh, so I finally grabbed it, and I was, I was really, I finally have it. I can actually read Strange Adventures now, and uh, and I'm good to go, man. That's awesome. I got a bunch of stuff in the mail too. And like you said, so my 480 want list uh, got a couple off. So I found a great deal on eBay, and it was Invincible number four. Invincible is a a relatively hot title right now, I guess. I don't know. I've been collecting it for a while, so I think it's hotter now. Because of the animated series, you think? Yes, correct. So someone had listed issue four up, and I, I check every morning when I wake up. And uh, they had listed one for buy it now for $15. And it had a little damage on the top, like a a color breaking crease at the top and a slight one on the bottom. And um, I hit buy it now so damn fast. You broke your computer. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I stopped time for a second uh, because $15 for issue four is nuts. So I think yeah. I think that averages for like 50 bucks or something like that. So uh, maybe That's amazing, maybe higher. And because um, I know I was just looking on my want list for for Invincible and number two is somewhere around 100, 125 now. Number three is about uh, 90 to 120. And uh, so like I think four is, is somewhere around uh, the 50 to higher mark. So $15 ain't too shabby. And then he's a Cristo. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And I got a couple of Kickstarter books in and a great a great run of Batman. Uh, you might have heard of it. It's Batman Year One. Um, so I got oh. yeah. So I got yeah. those. I didn't have those. Do you have those books? Uh, so <laughs> this is this is I had the trade Scott, and then oh, I okay. got rid of it. I, I love that. I have it on hardcover. I have the the trade on hardcover cover already. Ah. and so uh, I I got those. So it's uh, I believe it was starts at four oh four, right? Four oh four, four oh five, four oh six, four oh seven. And gotcha. uh, gotcha. yeah, the, this auction that I won, it came with a couple of bonuses. It came with a double of 404, that classic cover, and the anniversary 400 issue it came with has a Bill Sienkiewicz cover. So, oh, hell yeah. Yeah, I'll take a picture of that and, and text it to you. So I got yeah, some, man, some cool stuff. I got some cool stuff in the mail. Pretty excited about it. That's killer. Yeah, I can, I can feel your fucking influence rubbing off on me with <laughs> comics right now. Because. It's, hey, it's not heroin. Yeah. No, it, dude, it's it's worse. It's it, worse than heroin. I exactly. Think, in, in a way. It's legal. It, it costs more. Yeah. 
Yeah, because I, I think I think you know this, but if not, when I when I got back home and I was talking to my kids about what you and I had done on our little comic expedition and hanging out and stuff, mm-hmm. I mentioned Book Off, and then um, Ava, my one of my um, older twins, was like, "Oh, I love I'd love to go to Book Off." Oh. So we we then went on an expedition to Book Off um, this this last weekend. How far is that from you? Um, oh well, we have four or five. We have four Holy or five. Cow. The closest. Yeah, dude, we got it. Maybe three. I don't know. But the closest one is in Costa Mesa, which is about a 40 minute drive on a Sunday, maybe a little bit less. And again, the reason I say on a Sunday is because I almost never want to brave it on a weekday. Anyway, so although this this story is going to end with me probably choosing to brave it, but I'll, I'll get to that in a second. So we go to book off. And of course, they they don't buy anything because they they love manga. You know, Book Off has, look, Book Off is amazing at some things. I think comics and graphic novels are the number one thing to find at Book Off. You know, I I think that there are things that I would absolutely never buy at Book Off, like LPs, you know, I, which I told you about in, in person. I could not believe the prices. I, I They were so high priced. And I'm like, what? So uh, anyway, but um, but yeah, they went and they didn't find anything. But of course, I found stuff and I had to make hard decisions because I just didn't want to go over a very low amount of money. And uh, so I, I settled on um, a Watchmen hardcover, uh, which is wonderful looking. Uh, you know, that's a $40 retail. It was 20 at Book Off and it's it's really clean. So I was happy about that. And, and you know, I've I've owned Watchmen at times in my life, but uh, that was one of those infamous books I lent out to a friend and never came back. So, uh, so I do not have Watchmen in my collection right now. So I remedied that, and then I, um, I, I have I've never read Saga, and uh, and so what I did was um, I bought the first three for my wife to read. She really liked them, wanted to keep going, and then I just kind of slacked. But uh, I, I bought one of Saga. I bought Saga Volume Four, and then I bought an Alan Moore Swamp Thing, which they had a little nice run of, which I also don't have the entire run of in graphic novel. Were these uh, trade paperbacks or were they hardcovers? Trade paperbacks. Okay. Yeah. The, even, so even the, the saga the, one. The Watchmen, the Watchmen was hardcover. The Saga and the Alan Moore Swamp thing are just paperbacks. Um, and, and you know, there might be a day where, where at some point I buy some fancy schmancy edition. But in general, my my tastes in comics are just just give me as much story as I can for the book. And and for me, it's like if I happen into a single issue that is worth something or if I can track one down at a relatively low co- cost, like I think I did with, let's say, we only find them when they're dead or something like that. Sure. Of course I will. But um, but when something's been out for a while and I have a I'm, I'm just cheap, man, I'm just cheap. That's what it comes down to. No, you're. That's definitely a better thing than what I am, because <laughs> I'm a. <laughs> I am a spaz. I'm a completionist, and I need to have what I need to have. So, well, it it allows me, Scott, to not be cheap with boutique death metal guitar pedals, which <laughs> which I I had a serious problem with a while ago, and now I've whittled that down as well. So, yes, yeah, I remember anyway. that actually. Yeah, I remember that. Remember that habit. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. That that's a that's a dangerous, dangerous slope to to exist on. But anyway, the problem is, I thought I was guessing right in terms of what Swamp Thing I had, and I'm guessing wrong, which means that I'm going to need to find a way to get back to that book off and uh, address my my now gap that I just created. So there are more Swamp Things there, and by the time this airs, no one will have had a chance to go to the Costa Mesa book off to get those Swamp Things instead of me. So if uh, if a person got them, great, but but no listeners here are. <laughs> I can tell you that. <laughs> that's funny yeah and and it reminded me when i was thinking about it afterwards how you said 
um, when we were in the comic shop that that you're like, you know, you've you've started coming in weekly and going in weekly is hitting your wallet because you impulse buy more. You see more interesting covers. You do this, you do that. And like I'm starting to do that with my local comic shop now. You know, I mm-hmm. um, I, I read through some of my stack, including a book you asked me about that we're not going to name that, that we both thought was pretty bad. Uh, anyway, I got a couple books and took a chance on them because I'm like, oh, I'd probably like this. Nope. Nope. So it, it, it for, to any of them. So it turns out that maybe the chance taking should end. But this is what mm. this is what you do in comic shops. You see a number one, and you don't remember it being solicited because I mean I read previews cover to cover twice every month. I'm not kidding. Cover to cover twice just to make sure I'm not missing anything. So those books that you picked up were those ones you picked up while we were together, or or this was a separate time when you went to yourself to your own. Dude, I went on Wednesday to my comic shop and picked up a few. Oh, okay. And uh, and remember, I did text you about another one that I didn't like. There was the book we both read that I didn't like, and then another one where I, I warned you off mm-hmm. and said, "Don't yep. don't get this; it's bad." Did you end up reading Scout's Honor? I did. I liked that. I liked okay. Scout's Honor. Okay. It's good. uh yeah, yeah, it's it's good enough for me to keep going. I might like Scout's Honor less than you, and I clearly like Devil's Red Bride more than you. Because yeah. I enjoy Devil's Red Bride and, and okay. you were pretty lukewarm on that if I remember right. Yeah, the first two issues, it was just so so. It was kind of I don't know, run of the mill, I think, uh, revenge story. It was like Mulan if Mulan was a crazy assassin. So, yeah, and and you say shit like that to me, and I'm like, I'll buy five. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, that sounds great. Sign me up for more. What are you talking about? Exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, is it you or is it me this week? Oh, that's a great. Well, it's been me the last two weeks. Okay, so, if so you it's want, me. We can get back on. Yeah, we. Well, I mean, yeah, we might as well just. Well, let let's think. When when we first started this. Well, um, I was I odds and you're evens, so whatever number that is. I think this is 16, So, um, because you just sent me 15, didn't you? Yeah. Oh, hold it. What are it. you drinking? You're drinking more Kirkland White Claws? No. Well, kind of. I'm going to, but I'm starting off today with a Firestone Flyjack. It is a hazy Ooh. Indiana pale ale, and it is Ooh. 96 calories. And that's what... Ooh. So two of those things caught my eye. I, um, I went and got a haircut today. And I popped into Sprouts across the street. I had some time to kill. And uh, I was like, okay, let's see what beers they have. One of my buddies told me about this PB&J beer that's at uh-huh. Trader Joe's. So I was curious if they had it there at Sprouts. So I wandered across the street. I didn't see really anything that caught my eye. But I saw these Firestone Flyjacks. And um, I saw Hazy. And I'm into Hazy's right now. Yeah. So this yeah. is a citrus. It's a citrus Hazy Crisp. And I'm like, I like all okay. of those things. And uh, yeah. on top, so it, it says, is it filtered? When when it says crisp, does that mean it's a filtered? No, that wouldn't be because it's a hazy, right? Okay, right. forget it. Scratch that. You're I think I think the crisp just pertains to the aftertaste, and it does have okay. a bit of a crisp um, uh, taste at the end. So, and gotcha. it's 96. So that was just the benefit, though, was like uh, the 96 yeah. calories. So it's like under what the white claw is, and um, yeah, mm-hmm. it's not bad. It tastes light, but it definitely tastes tastes like a hazy as well. So not bad. Okay. Um, and a six pack cost me eight fifty. So that's not too shabby. Dude, that's a great price. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Mm-hmm. How about awesome. you? What are you drinking? Uh, I'm. I decided I wanted a cat's pajamas again. Um, keep in mind that I cycle through my beers. So I think the last time we talked and we were both in our respective rooms, I had a cat's pajamas. Yeah. And, well, whatever uh, yeah, the last episode. I uh, yeah. I, I decided for a cat's pajamas again because I wanted. I wanted a nice hit. Yeah, right. you, this you thing like is your bourbon point, barrel. 
Yeah, man, 10.7. It's my bourbon barrel, and it's 16 ounces. I almost went for one of my bourbon barrel stouts that I have, Ooh. but uh, woof, that's 16%, and I, I, I'm not ready for that. I'm right. not ready. For, I, I, it, it was one of those tricky things of I'm ready for it, but I didn't want to drink only eight or nine ounces of beer. Right. You know what I mean? I wanted to have a good hearty beer, and that means I got to go for something that hits, but something a little lower ABV, not not wine the way that, that uh, bourbon barrel stouts are, you know. And is uh, Keith tomorrow morning ready for it? Yeah. Oh, Keith. Yeah, exactly. The, the Keith tomorrow morning should be fine with this. But yeah, Keith tomorrow morning would be cursing out artist Gary if uh, if he drank the, uh, <laughs> the, the bourbon barrel, the bourbon barrel. All right. Let's let's set this off. Let's set this funny. OK, so do, do we decide? Right. Is it you or is it me? It's me. I'll, I'll go because I'm pretty sure this is even. And if not, we'll just remember week to week or we won't. And we'll fuck up again. Who really cares? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right. Here we go. Yeah.